You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Now, there are two topics. One, I find very hard because until I went through your slides, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, it's an important one. I had one. never heard of <laughs> disregarded small fund assets. Well, that's a good thing to say because um, that's what everyone else would be thinking too. Welcome to episode 83 of Text Talks. This is Heidi Robson. And thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Disregarded small fund assets is a new concept that will affect SMSFs with at least one member in retirement phase and a TSB exceeding 1.6 million. Melanie Dunn, the head of technical services at Acurium, kindly agreed to walk you through disregarded small fund assets. Here's Melanie. So a really important provision that was introduced as part of the super reforms applying from 1 July 17 was what's now known as disregarded small fund assets. And no one's come up with a really good acronym for that yet. So it's a bit of a mouthful. But effectively, if a fund has this disregarded small fund assets, then it means they they can't use the segregated method for tax purposes. They can't use elected segregation. They won't have deemed segregation. So it really impacts how the fund must claim ECPI in a following year. And this is actually a new test we must perform for every SMSF each 30 June. And as I mentioned, it will determine how the fund must claim ECPI in the following year. It also applies in the first year of the SMSF. So even if the SMSF started in September 2018, you need to look back at the previous 30 June and apply this disregarded small fund assets test to determine how that new SMSF will claim ECPI in its first year. So a fund will have disregarded small fund assets if 30 June of the prior financial year, there was a member in retirement phase anywhere in superannuation, doesn't have to be in the SMSF, and they had a total superannuation balance of at least $1.6 And again, that's total super balance, so that's everything in the SMSF and anywhere else they might have in superannuation. If there's a member who is in retirement phase and has a total super balance of at least $1.6, and in the current financial year there's any member in retirement phase, so the fund would be eligible to claim ECPI, then that fund would have disregarded small fund assets for that year. That means they can't have segregation for tax purposes. They can still segregate for investment purposes if they wanted to. Why do they call it disregarded small fund assets? Because 1.6 million is not a small fund asset. Yeah, so it's really interesting where this came from. And the small fund assets is referring to small super funds, so APRA funds and SMSFs. So this provision only applies to to small super funds. And where and, it came and from... And small? Uh, an SMSF or small APRA fund. I see. And what is a small APRA fund? Yeah, oh, it's, it's a certain number of members. It is defined in the tax office, sorry, in the tax yeah. act. I don't know off the top yeah, of my head. Worry. Yeah, mm. small basically means SMSF and small in, the, in this context. Funds. Yes, okay. yeah. So it doesn't apply to TAS plan or. or and a what's super the fund. purpose of this rule? Why worry about it? Yes, and it's interesting because we thought the tax office and treasury could have dealt with the issue they're trying to solve with this provision, just under Part Four A. So where this came from was the fact that we've got all these SMSFs that previously might have had $3 million. They now have to have $1.4 million in accumulation, $1.6 in pension. 
And what the government were concerned about was that all of these SMSF trustees would cycle their assets between pension phase as segregated pension assets and sell them tax-free to get around the transfer balance cap. So if you had an asset that you wanted to sell, you'd segregate it to your 1.6 in pension, you'd sell it for a tax-free gain. Next time you want to sell something, you segregate it to your pension, sell it for a tax-free gain. So to avoid people having the taxable environment that they've got in the fund for, for capital gains, they introduced this provision to stop people doing that. Now, people weren't doing that excessively before. Again, I, I would have thought they could have caught it under Part 4A, but instead we have a whole provision that's that's going to prevent that. So in that scenario where the fund had $3 million, 1.6 in pension and 1.4 in accumulation, that fund would meet the definition of having disregarded small fund assets and they would not be allowed to segregate for tax purposes. So if they did make a capital gain, it would have the proportionate approach apply, which means some of that gain will be taxable. So that's where it came from. <laughs> so it does only apply for the 17, 18 financial years onwards. So for 16, 17 and prior income years, we don't have this concept of disregarded small fund assets. It came in as part of the transfer balance cap reforms. It does mean we have a few new requirements. We have to do this test every 30 June before we can complete the client's tax return. And it does mean we have to know all of our clients' superannuation assets. So for an SMSF professional, they may previously just have administrated the SMSF and, and not known what else the SMSF clients had. Now you'll need to know everything about their superannuation in order to be able to assess this test and complete the annual return. There's also a quirk that was introduced as part of these rules, which we did talk with Treasury at the time. Uh, Curium did identify this loophole, if you like, and try to get an exception entered in the provisions, but we did not see that come through. If you imagine a scenario where a fund legitimately put $1.4 million into pension, into retirement phase, and over time, say that retirement phase balance grew, say the members were only taking their minimum pensions, but they got good returns, then once that balance hits $1.6 million, in the following year, the fund would have disregarded small fund assets. Even though it's solely in retirement phase, it would not be allowed to use the segregated method to claim eCPI. So it would be 100% tax exempt, but you would need an actuarial certificate. You'd need to be able to click or tick on the tax return that you've used the proportionate method and obtained an actuarial certificate to claim your exempt current pension income. So that's a bit of a sneaky and side think, provision of that. And I think a lot of people go amiss there because, yes. for example, I have had, I mean, it's a, bit, it's a bit silly of me to admit publicly that I made a mistake, but I have, I I wasn't aware of that. I have had okay. clients who had a TSB exceeding 1.6 million and I clicked, yes, we are using the segregated method because mm. everything is in retirement phase. Yep. Yeah, so for 17, 18 onwards... And I think that'll be a fairly easy one for the tax office to pick up because they'll see it's 100% ECPI, but they'll know your balance from what you've reported. And worst case, they could say you've done the wrong thing. You, you don't get your ECPI, but I mean, you can amend your tax return and get your, mm. your but in terms actuarial of, certificate. But in terms of tax liability, I don't think it, it changes. Oh, it's no different. It's still 100% exempt current pension income in terms of what you report on the annual return. So because of this rule change, it has impacted how the actuaries will calculate their exempt income proportion. Because if we think about what is deemed segregation in an SMSF, that's where your assets are solely supporting retirement phase and must use the segregated method. 
when an actuary is calculating ECPI, which applies to the proportionate method part of the year where the assets were not solely supporting retirement phase, that we would exclude any segregated pension assets. We would exclude those deemed segregated periods from our calculation. However, if a fund has disregarded small fund assets, we don't need to do that. In fact, we're not allowed to do that. We must include those retirement phase periods as part of our calculation. So a new question you'll see on your actuarial applications from all the actuaries will be asking you whether the fund has these disregarded small fund assets, as whether the answer is yes or no will impact the result of the actuarial calculation. On a Curium's actuarial certificate, we ask whether the fund is eligible to use the segregated method. So a fund will be eligible to use the segregated method if it does not have disregarded small fund assets. And when you're thinking about these questions, you might see from your actuary, understand that they're not asking whether you do have segregation, it's whether the fund is eligible to have segregation. Does the fund have disregarded small fund assets or not? can ask, why do you have to ask that? Because through the data feed, you are able to see the total TSB. But of course, you don't know whether there are interests outside of yes. the SMSF. Yes. But within the SMSF, you can see whether the TSB exceeds 1.6 million So we can not. see the SMSF balances, but the main reason is, yeah, we don't know what else there is. I see. So, But you would be able then to see quite a lot of accountants making this mistake, saying, yes. Yeah, we, we could show the other way. We would I'd be able to identify if they said, We could see they had a member with a balance of above 1.6, but they said, yes, we are eligible to use the segregated method. We would be able to pick that up because it's obvious they've got it the wrong way around. The other way around, if they've got less than 1.6, we can't tell what else they've got outside. So that answer is very important. Now, the answer to that question of whether the fund has disregarded small fund assets and is eligible to use the exempt income proportion uh, or eligible to use segregation will be pre-filled if you come via a platform when applying for your actuarial certificate. So class, VGL and Supermate. Prior to obtaining the actuarial certificate, you need to make sure you've got an answer to that test. If you're coming by a class, that test will be answered by what you put in the total superannuation balance section of the contribution caps module in class. So prior to obtaining your actuarial certificate, you'll need to go into that section and note down the details of any external total superannuation balance. The answer of that combined with what's in the SMSF that class knows about will drive the answer to that question in the actuarial certificate. I haven't ever looked at the contribution caps module. It's a bit of a, a sort of a sideways spot and yeah, you need to make sure you do it. If you're in BGL, then you actually get the question asked of you. So there'll be a pop-up, a little wizard, and prior to being sent off to the actuarial certificate application, you'll be asked to confirm the eligibility of the fund to use the segregated method. So you'll need to do that test and work out whether the, any member had more than 1.6 million at the previous 30 June and confirm whether the fund is or is not eligible to use the segregated method and that will flow through to the actuarial certificate calculation. So why is this important? Well, let's do an example of the calculation of ECPI when a fund does and does not have disregarded small fund assets. So let's look at the 17-18 financial year. We've got a two-member SMSF. We've got one member with a 400,000 non-retirement phase TRIS and another member with $1,599,999 in an account-based pension. And this is all they've got in superannuation. Now, this fund does not have disregarded small fund assets. No member has a total super balance 
above 1.6 million or of 1.6 million or more. Now, during 1718, a few events occurred. On the 1st of September, the trust converted to retirement phase. Their minimum pension payments were paid in June. The fund earned around $20,000 in assessable income and also realised a net capital gain of $100,000 on the 15th of March. So that the TRIS converted to retirement phase, that doesn't change anything with respect to the calculation of disregarded small fund assets because disregarded small fund assets are based on the TSB and not on the retirement phase assets alone. Correct. It's the total super balance at the previous 30 June. So what happens during a year will affect next year's disregarded small fund assets test. So, yes, because it's total super balance, the fact that it was in accumulation or pension doesn't matter. Although if it was worth $1.7 million in a non-retirement phase TRIS, because they didn't have a retirement phase account, it still wouldn't trigger the disregarded small fund assets. When they converted to retirement phase, it still wouldn't trigger it because we're in the year. But when we get to the end of the year, if they've still got $1.7 in a retirement phase TRIS now, which we know they actually can't have, they would have commuted some back and have $1.6, the total super balance would then trigger the disregarded small fund assets for the next year. So if we put a picture around the events that happened, at the start of the year we had a member with a non-retirement phase TRIS and another member with an account-based pension. On the 1st of September, our member turned 65 and the TRIS moved to retirement phase. This creates a deemed segregated period in the fund because all assets from the 1st of September are solely supporting retirement phase liabilities. Now, this fund must use both methods, both the proportionate method and the segregated method to claim ECPI. But you only get one actuary certificate, don't you? Correct. No matter how many periods you have in the year where the fund was under the proportionate method versus the deemed method, you only need one actuarial certificate. That excludes the segregated assets and applies to all of those proportionate periods. So the first thing this fund would have to do is break down their total income and work out how much of it was earned in the proportionate period and how much of it was earned when you had deemed segregated assets. Now, in this case, let's say there was $3,333 earned between 1 July and the 1st of September and $16,667 of our total $20,000 in income earned between the 1st of September and the 30th of June. We also had that net capital gain of $100,000, which was incurred in March, so that fell into the deemed segregated period. So our total exempt current pension income will be our segregated pension income of $116,667 plus our unsegregated income of $3,333 multiplied by the result provided by the actuary, the exempt income proportion for that proportionate period between 1 July and the 1st of September, and that result in this case was 80%. So what we do is work that out and sum it all up. So we've got an ECPI of 3,333 times 80% plus 116,667 for a total of 119,334. So this was for the case the fund where the fund did not have disregarded small fund assets. And that was why we ended up having to use the segregated approach and the proportionate approach. But does this change if the fund did have disregarded small fund assets? Basically the same fund, but now it was not able to use the segregated method. Would the result for ECPI be different? 
Well, let's assume our account-based pension now has $1 more than before. And that's the only thing I've changed. We've now got $1.6 million in an account-based pension at 1 July. We've still got $400,000 in our non-retirement-based TRIS. This fund would now have disregarded small fund assets for 1718. But why? Because the total is $2 million divided by two members is only $1 million per member and not $1.6. No, so it's a total super balance per member test. So because at 30 June um, 17, one member had 1.6 in an ABP and they were in retirement phase, they trigger the the disregarded small fund assets. It's not the member. It's not an average. It's not a divide by. One member had 1.6. If any, yeah, it's a per member test. If any member was in retirement phase and had a total super balance of at least 1.6, they trigger it for the whole fund. So this fund now has disregarded small fund assets. We had the same events, the same conversion to retirement phase, minimum pension payments in June, our same 20000 in income and our capital gain of 100000 on the 15th of March. If you picture what this fund looks like over the financial year, we have the same events but we are now in a position where we do not have any deemed segregation. The fund is most of the year in retirement phase but it must use the proportionate method to claim eCPI over the whole financial year. The actuary will take account of all of the fund assets and the exempt income proportion, as you might expect, has now gone up and it's 96.67% based on all of the assets over the financial year. So to calculate eCPI for our fund with disregarded small fund assets, we take our actuarial proportion of 96.67% and multiply that by all of the fund income, so $120,000, gives us an eCPI amount of $116,004. And that's more than we had before or less? I can't remember what we had before. (laughs) So compared to our fund where we had a dollar less in pension and we did not have disregarded small fund assets, Mm -hmm. the eCPI for that case was $119,334. And in this case, when we have a dollar more creating a disregarded small fund asset, Fund, we have 116,004 in ECPI. So the disregarded small fund assets actually worked in the favor of the SMSF. They're actually paying less now. Oh, uh, no. no. Other way around. Other way around. They have less ECPI. So therefore, yeah. they are paying more tax on the rest. Yes. So that the tax outcome in this case, by having a dollar more in pension, creating the disregarded small fund assets was a, a poorer outcome. This is basically dependent on the timing of income. So our 20000 in income earned approximately uniformly over the year, the result would be basically the same uh, whether we had disregarded small fund assets or not. But because of that $100,000 capital gain that occurred on a particular day, then obviously how much of that is taxable depends on the asset structure of the fund on that day. If that happened to fall in the deemed period like it did here, it's 100% tax exempt. If it actually occurred on the 2nd of July, we'd get an outcome in the other direction because it would be partly taxable. One can't say whether the segregation method is better or worse. It really depends on the timing of the year. Correct, yeah. So um, even if you could, we're in a position where you could get the members in a situation to avoid having disregarded small fund assets by taking some money out of superannuation prior to the start of a financial year, unless you knew what was going to happen in the next financial year. You might have some idea of if the members are planning to sell assets and so forth. It's not a decision that can be made in arrears. It's something that you need to test for and and must comply with in advance. So you don't have a choice. You can't pick the disregarded small fund assets test or not. You just have to go with with what actually works out for the SMSF Mm. and And use that method to claim ECPI. 
And it's only different when the fund is not fully in retirement phase. When the fund is fully in retirement phase, then both methods come. Would be 100%, correct, yes. When we're thinking about capital gains and disregarded small fund assets, there's a couple of interesting items to consider. If we first think about that interesting case where the fund was solely in retirement phase, so all of the assets were solely supporting retirement phase liabilities, account-based pensions, market-linked pensions, or transition to retirement income streams in retirement phase. Ordinarily, where the fund does not have disregarded small fund assets, this fund would use the segregated method to claim ECPI. Under the segregated method, any capital gains or losses will simply be disregarded, and that's under Section 118320 of the Tax Act. If a fund in the same position, solely in retirement phase, does have disregarded small fund assets, so a member has a balance, a total super balance of more than $1.6 million at the previous 30 June, then that fund will again still have to disregard any capital gains or losses, even though they're now claiming ECPI under the proportionate method. This requirement to disregard gains and losses is under Section 118.12 of the Tax Act. So just because you are now under the proportionate method doesn't mean you can carry forward any capital losses where the fund is in retirement phase over the entire financial year. However, if your fund has disregarded small fund assets, but you do have an accumulation account at some point in the year, so you are not solely in retirement phase, but you have disregarded small fund assets. So if you have, say, accumulation and pension at 1 July, but the fund moves entirely into retirement phase on the 1st of January and the second part of the year is solely in retirement phase. If that fund did not have disregarded small fund assets, it would have to use the segregated method for the second half of the year. Any capital gains or losses will be disregarded. If this fund had disregarded small fund assets, it cannot use the segregated method and must use the proportionate approach over the entire income year. Now, if a capital gain or loss is incurred in the year, even if it was incurred in the period where the fund was solely in retirement phase, those gains would form part of the fund's assessable income and have the proportionate result appropriate applied to that. Similarly, if it had a capital loss incurred when the fund was solely in retirement phase for that second half of the year, that loss can be carried forward. So it can be? Can be even though we incurred it in a period where the fund was solely in retirement phase. Now, that's only the case if we also had a time in the year where the fund was in accumulation. So it wasn't solely in retirement phase in the whole year. If you're solely in retirement phase over the whole year, you have to disregard your gains or losses irrespective of whether you had disregarded small fund assets or not, just under different provisions in the Tax Act. If you had periods in the year where you were solely in retirement phase but other periods where you had accumulation, and you had disregarded small fund assets, then any gains or losses incurred in the period you were solely in retirement phase are not disregarded, which means your losses can be carried forward and your gains would form part of the assessable income of the fund that would have the tax-exempt percentage apply. This was a short overview of disregarded small fund assets, a really important provision that we need to take account of when claiming exempt current pension income, an annual test that must be completed and will determine how each SMSF must claim ECPI for the following financial year. Welcome back. 
So disregard its small fund assets, just added another headache to the mix when total superannuation balances exceed 1.6 million. In the next episode, episode 84, Melanie will talk about actuary certificates. There's a lot of information on an actuary certificate, but what does it actually tell you? So until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for supporting us all. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.